Welcome back to Read This Next with Laura and Nicole from the Thunder Bay Public Library. This week we are doing classic lit retellings. Laura, tell us all about it. <laughs> sure. Okay. So um, there is a uh, readily recognizable canon of literature that has been increasingly interrogated in present years as to like what is on it, who gets to decide who's on it, um, you know, how long do things have to stay on it just because it was considered a classic at one point doesn't mean it's a classic now. Mm -hmm. Um, But one of the ways that people have been, that authors have been um, kind of engaging with the canon has been through a lot of retellings, which is something people have always been doing, but it's very, very popular. It's very common in the last 10, 15 years, I guess. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And in addition to, to retelling, as opposed to just being like, oh, well, you know, this is a classic Shakespearean play, and I'm going to move it to, like, West Side Story. I'm going to move it to the, well, was the present at the time, make it a fun musical. Yeah. Well, now people will kind of remix it in multiple ways at once. So often they'll, um, you know, they'll change the setting to be modern, and they'll also change the the location and they're also changed like the background of the characters um or maybe instead of retelling like the strict main plot they'll pull they'll they'll select like a secondary or minor character and kind of spin out what they're all about mm-hmm. now the fun <laughs> the fun thing about retellings is um in many many ways they're basically fan fiction yeah so people who are like looked down on fan fiction well like these are all basically fan fiction too. <laughs> like, get in on it. <laughs> get in on it, right? It's just anytime you take, uh, you know, characters or plot that have been established by someone else and revisit it for your own story, that is basically what you're doing is, is yeah. a form of fan fiction. Um, and that's kind of what these authors did. So, yeah. so these are legal fan fiction because, well, not that fan fiction is illegal or legal. I won't get into that argument. But these ones are past their copyright ownership. So it'll be interesting to see what comes up in the next like few years. Like um, Sherlock Holmes is slowly becoming <clears throat> more and more in the public domain. So people yes. can rewrite Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. And like, you know, it's something that's in public domain, but also sometimes it's like, how, how much can you kind of make the argument? Oh, this was just inspired by, so you can still work from something that's like a more recent, um, (laughs) a more recently published work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But we saw, we've got, we've got a real mix of adult and young adult and different types of genres. So, you know, as always, often when we try to do more general topics. Hopefully there's something for everyone. Oh, for sure. There definitely is. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Should we get going? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So our first one, um, it's funny. Like as we found, as we were going through this list, we found that like one particular book that for whatever reason, lots of people like to use as a jumping off point is Jane Eyre. Mm-hmm. Um there's so many Jane Eyre retellings we did not include. <laughs> In fact, <laughs> we, we removed some. <laughs> we did. We did remove some. Um, there's lots of them out there. Uh, I remember a couple of years ago, there was like a specific thing in YA. I think there was three different Jane Eyre retellings that came out like within like a two month period. Wow. Um, there was a bunch. But this one in particular, 
we did it, we included it because it is a Jane Eyre telling, but it's got a different sort of, a very different sort of um, twist to it. It's called In the Quick. It's by Kate Hope Day. You can tell by the cover pretty much exactly what the difference is. <laughs> yes, it's in space. It is not set on the moors. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, science fiction as opposed to gothic. Um, okay, so a young, ambitious female astronaut's life is upended by a love affair that threatens the rescue of a lost crew in this brilliantly imagined novel. June, as opposed to Jane, <laughs> is a brilliant but difficult girl with a gift for mechanical invention who leaves home to begin grueling astronaut training at the National Space Program. Younger by two years than her classmates at Peter Reed, the school on campus named for her uncle, she flourishes in her classes but struggles to make friends and find true intellectual peers. Six years later, she has gained a coveted post as an engineer on a space station and a hard-won sense of belonging, but is haunted by the mystery of the Inquiry, a revolutionary spacecraft powered by her beloved late uncle's fuel cells. The spacecraft went missing when June was 12 years old, and the rest of the world seems to have forgotten the crew. June alone has evidence that makes her believe they are still alive. She seeks out James Rochester, her <laughs> uncle's former protege, also brilliant, also difficult, who has been trying to discover why Inquiry's fuel cells failed. James and June forge an intense intellectual bond that becomes an electric attraction. But the relationship that develops between them as they work to solve the fuel cells fatal flaw threatens to destroy everything they've worked so hard to create and any chance of bringing the Inquiry crew home alive. Mm. So... It does sound, I mean, have you read Jane Eyre? That's what I was going to mention earlier. I have not read Jane Eyre. I haven't read many classics, so. (laughs) Well, I mean, they're not for everyone. I mean, I could probably get into the retellings a lot easier, but it's just the language. It's so inaccessible for me that I'm just, I'll stick to my fairy fantasy. That's fair. Give me a fairy fantasy Jane Eyre and I will read it. (laughs) There probably exists. There probably is. Probably exists. (laughs) When I was when I was younger, I feel like I may have told this story before, but like quite a bit younger in high school. Um, I had this like, you know, little surly English attitude about how I didn't want to read anything published like prior to about 1940. And my yeah, and my older sister had this thing where she didn't want to read anything published after about 1930. Okay. <laughs> so she read all the classics and I read all of the like I was really into Canadian, you know, so like you know, all the, like so many 18-year-olds. I was really deep into the Canadian <laughs> big name authors like yeah. Mark Kirschler and Margaret Atwood, Timothy Finley, Carol Shields. Like that was my <laughs> that was my thing at that age. Anyway, um, so I didn't read Jane Eyre for years and years did finally get around to it um actually read my rec which is coming up later first and then read Jane Eyre but so having read it I can tell you not a whole lot of similarities to the bare bones <laughs> plot of Jane Eyre in this description um yeah not a ton of similarities but it sounds like it might be more of um the character of June having similarities to the character of Jane that's sort of like independent um intelligent sort of like the kind of person who really wants love and companionship but is not necessarily very good at making those connections Mm -hmm. even though it's something that they really want and that they're drawn to uh yeah so 
interesting. It also has like, oh, if you like The Martian, you might like this one, which suggests to me like really like harder sci-fi. So Mm -hmm. specifically getting into the science of the thing as opposed to kind of hand waving. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It sounds cool. I mean, I, I, I'm curious, do you find, so like Alex and I, my partner, we went to the ballet once and because I was like, I want to see a ballet. And I think we went and saw the Swan Princess. And the only reason I knew what was going on no, not the Swan Princess, Swan Lake. No, no. Swan Lake. <laughs> and, I mean, I was really, I was willing to believe there was one called the Swan Princess. Well, let me tell you, the only reason I knew what was going on was because I had seen Swan Princess, <laughs> which is a cartoon children's book. <laughs> sure. And it made so much more sense because I had seen that. So I'm wondering if maybe all I need to do, and maybe the viewers need to read a a retelling and then if you really want to read the original and then you'll be like I know what's happening but I would get yes. to know more yeah see that it, that was sort of my journey with Jane Eyre in particular yeah. because the book that I read first was one of these um sort of retellings and then I was like okay I'll read Jane Eyre now and actually <laughs> Like, it's one of those books that it's a little bit like how I didn't watch Star Wars for years and years and years. And I finally watched Star Wars and I was like, oh, that reference is from this movie. Like, there's all these cultural references that I, yeah, or all that, like, I technically knew. I'm just going to silence this phone one moment. (laughs) Um, All these references that I did actually know, but didn't know where they originated from. And I think if you have never read Jane Eyre, but you have read Wadley widely in general which I know you have um I think you'd find if you read Jane Eyre that there's a lot of there's a lot of things that have been referencing Jane Eyre that you didn't necessarily know were you know like there's because it's had such it has had such a big impact Mm -hmm. um yeah which is kind of an interesting thing to go through later and find out oh that's what that's from I was also really young when I first tried reading it I think I was in like going into grade nine yeah not the time no probably not the time yeah (laughs) (laughs) we're not all like I was gonna say weirdos maybe not very nice but like my older sister who was in high school was like my favorite book is Jude the Obscure (laughs) we're not all weirdos like my sister was (laughs) no seriously though who's whose favorite book in like 2000 as a teenager is is Jude the Obscure by Tom Hardy. Tom cool Hardy. people. Cool people. Tom That's Hardy. <laughs> Tom and Hardy. Traps. Tom Hardy. Yeah. Um, definitely. Anyway. So that was a good conversation. Way, <laughs> kind of a long way around to get to. This is a Jane Eyre retelling <laughs> in space. Yeah. Uh, give it a try. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's move on to the next one, which I have read. This okay. Is, well, no, I haven't read this book. I read the classic yes. version of this book. Yes. So okay. this is Frankenstein in Baghdad by Ahmed Sadawi. Um, and the translator is Jonathan Wright. Because um, evidently it was first published in a, another language. But I have mm-hmm. read Frankenstein. Uh, and yeah. if you haven't, you should. That is one of I have. the most accessible ones. Okay. Did you like it? Yeah, I really did. Oh, actually. man. Frankenstein no? did very no did very little for me. Dang, huh? Yeah, I mean, I read it. It is Nicole is very right. It is more accessible. It's also quite short. 
yes. as opposed to Jane Eyre, <laughs> which is not short. No. <laughs> no. So it is certainly among the canonical classics. It's it's one that's a little easier to pick up and get through. Yeah. And what a great story behind it too, right? Oh, yeah. Like the author, I, I mean, like the story of how it was written, right? Mm-hmm. Like the author and her friends hanging out and being like, let's have a scary story contest. And she whips out Frankenstein. Like, are you? Yeah. Reinvents a whole new genre just to scare her friends. (laughs) It's amazing. That's a great party trick. It's so good. I will put a link to that in the show notes too. Like that little history bit, because it's a very cool story. Yeah. Okay, here's the description of the book. (laughs) From the rubble-strewn streets of the U.S.-occupied Baghdad, uh, I think it's Haiti... Um, is the name of a character. Haiti, a scavenger and an oddball fixture at a local cafe, collects human body parts and stitches them together to create a corpse. His goal... Yeah. But I mean, that's Frankenstein. (laughs) It is. It is. Yeah. His goal, he claims, is for the government to recognize the parts as people and to give them proper burial. But when the corpse goes missing, a wave of eerie murders sweeps the city and reports stream in of a horrendous-looking criminal who... Though shot, cannot be killed. Haiti soon realizes he's created a monster, one that needs human flesh to survive. First from the guilty, and then from anyone in its path. A pro- uh, then it just tells us that it's a white knuckle horror with black humor set in a the surreal reality of contemporary Iraq or Iraq. Sounds very good. Yeah, it does. It's I. I find it I I like that the the motive behind Dr. Frankenstein is a little bit more noble than just wanting to create the perfect specimen of a man. What's yeah, <laughs> what's more noble than the, the the aspirations of science? Yeah, you know, having <laughs> giving people a proper burial is a very noble goal. It's a little more noble. <laughs> yeah, it's a little more noble. <laughs> Yeah, that one sounds good though. I would uh I would give that one a try. I don't think this one is necessarily new though, which is It's not. It's an older. It's been around for a bit. Mhm. It's mm-hmm. been around for a bit. Yeah, Very it's good. A prize winner it says. So It Indeed. Indeed. Okay. Uh next one. Um I don't have as many million words to say about this one actually. <laughs> for change i I don't have a what this one is yeah now that you say i think it's a fairy tale one actually a fairy tale i think it's snow white so the next one is a book called boy snow bird by helen oyemi okay so uh boy (laughs) it was in all caps i don't know boy novak turns 20 and decides to try for a brand new life Flax Hill, Massachusetts isn't exactly a welcoming town, but it does have the virtue of being the last stop on the bus route she took from New York. Okay. okay. <laughs> I'm, it's the fact that, she, okay, never mind. Flax Hill is also the hometown of Arturo Whitman, craftsman, widower, and father of Snow. Snow is mild mannered, radiant, and deeply cherished, exactly the sort of little girl boy never was. And boy is utterly beguiled by her. If Snow displays a certain inscrutability at times, that's simply a characteristic she shares with her father. Harmless, until Boy gives birth to Snow's sister, Bird. Okay. When Bird is born, Boy is forced to reevaluate the image Arturo's family have presented to her, and Boy, Snow, and Bird are broken apart. Sparkling with wit and vibrancy, Boy, Snow, Bird is a deeply moving novel about three women and the strange connection between them. 
does sound strange. It does sound strange. I don't. It does sound strange. I don't know what to what to say about that because it's. I don't really get it. <laughs> she. I know that this author does um, magic realism, so okay. That is is sort of her lane and retellings. I know her most. I think her most recent one is called Gingerbread, and it's like oh, a- so she does like fairy tale retellings. Oh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. See, but that is... what's the plot? I I feel like this description gave me no idea of what the <laughs> plot might be. Like usually we read a description and it's like so and so's looking for love. She meets this man. Whereas this one, I'm like, they all are in the same town. And the thing that I think threw me off a little bit is the fact that boy is a is a, is a, a girl. female character. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So our next book is, I'm pretty sure it's quite new, I think, yeah. called a book called Pride by Ibby's Boy. Oh, it sounds very fun. <laughs> Pride and Precious gets remixed in this smart, funny, gorgeous retelling of the classic, starring all characters of color. Suri Bennett's has Pride, Brooklyn Pride, Family Pride, and Pride in her Afro-Latino roots. But Pride not, might not be enough to save her rapidly gentrifying neighborhood from becoming unrecognizable. When the wealthy Darcy family moves in across the street, Ziri wants nothing to do with their teenage sons, even as her older sister, Janae, starts to fall for the charming Ainsley. She especially can't stand the judgment and arrogant Darius. <laughs> Sorry, the judgmental and arrogant. <laughs> Yet, as Ziri and Darius are forced to find common ground, their initial dislike shifts into an unexpected understanding. But with four wild sisters pulling her in different directions, cute boy Warren, cute, I can't talk today, (laughs) cute boy Warren vying for her attention and college applications hovering on the horizon, Siri fights to find her place in Bushwick's changing landscape or lose it all. A timely update of Austin's Pride and Prejudice. Cultural identity, doesn't it? Cultural identity, class and gentrification against the heavy magic of first love. Aw. Right? Sounds very good indeed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, again, that's another one that there's been a million and one retellings of. <laughs> Pride and Prejudice. Have you read Pride and Prejudice? No. <laughs> okay. Also good. <laughs> I've seen the movies. Okay. That's the important part. Yeah. So you get the gist. Yeah. It does sound, it, it sounds like this is a retelling that follows the plot. Pretty like well. the. the yeah, the bare bones outline of the plot and the characters, like the family setups pretty closely. Mm-hmm. Which is nice. <laughs> I mean, it, it, both are good. But if you're really looking for a retelling, you're like, yes. oh, yeah, here we go. Just alternate universe in yeah. the future. Yes, alternate yeah. universe. <laughs> yeah, alternate universe uh, fan fiction. Yeah, that's a fan fiction term. Words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That is a fan fiction term for you. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Next one. Our next one, I have read, but it was years ago, the classic. So this is Meg and Joe by Virginia Cantra, which is obviously Little Women. Um, Yay. And it's a series, which is kind of cool. So, okay. The March sisters, reliable Meg, independent Joe, stylish Amy, and shy Beth have grown up to pursue their separate dreams. When Joe followed her ambitions to New York City, she never thought her career in journalism would come crashing down, leaving her struggling to stay afloat in a gig economy as a prep cook and a secret food blogger. Okay. Hey. 
Meg appears to have the life she's always planned. The handsome husband, the adorable toddlers, the house in a charming subdivision. But sometimes getting everything you've ever wanted isn't all it's cracked up to be. When their mother's illness forces the sisters home to North Carolina for the holidays, they'll rediscover what... Oh, what really matters. I thought I was going to say what family really means, and I got really confused when <laughs> it didn't go that way. What really matters? Sure. Once, <laughs> one thing's for sure. They'll need the strength of family and the power of sisterhood to remake their lives and reimagine their dreams. Reading this, I was like, I don't know how they're doing or retelling when all of them are in different areas, but they end up at home. So that makes sense. I wonder. Okay. So when you read Little Woman, how did the book end? Did it end with all of them married? I have no idea. I think I read this. I I feel like I read it in elementary school. Like that's how long ago it was. Because the thing with with Little Woman that is kind of, well, not, I mean, it's not confusing, but this is the thing. This is the thing about Little Woman is technically it's, there's two books. Well, there's four total, but Little Woman and then Good Wives. And then um, I think Joe's Boys and Little Men is the order. So there's four. Yes. Okay. It's four. Um, but Little Woman and Good Wives are very often packaged as one book, as Little Woman, um, but not always. So oh. depending on which edition or which copy you had, either the story ends with um, all of them kind of settled and married or or it ends with, I think, maybe just Meg's wedding. I feel like that's the one I... I don't work. The main things I remember is them being together as a family. I don't remember yeah. reading about marriage. So yeah. that's, that's interesting. So is this yeah. kind of following the second book then? That's what I'm thinking. That's oh. what I'm thinking. That like, as opposed to being like specifically a retelling of the events of Little Woman, it's more a retelling yes. perhaps. Yes. A remix of, of Little Wives, which like nobody would publish a book called Little Wives <laughs> these days. No. <laughs> But um, yeah, you know, technically at the time, that's what it was. That's what it was called. But how fun! I do really like Little Woman, and I like all of the. <laughs> I read it many times, and all of the other ones that came after. Yeah. Um, everyone wants more for Joe than what she ends up getting in those books. So hopefully, she gets more than just being a food blogger as well. I hope so. Yeah, I'm also going to put in the show notes. There's been like two, maybe even three different little woman graphic novel retellings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which and are apparently are, pretty good. Yes. As per my niece, who was the appropriate age for it, she loved them all. So I will throw those in there as well. Yeah. That's really <laughs> cute. I f- yeah. That's so interesting. Hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. You are next then. I am next. Okay. This one, we're going to a totally different um, retelling author, we've got Tell the Wind and Fire by Sarah Reese Brennan. And this is a retelling of A Tale of Two Cities, which Ooh. I have not read. I haven't either. <laughs> I have not read A Tale of Two Cities. Um, yeah. Okay. So here's the description. In a city divided between opulent luxury and the light and fierce pri- privations, privations, In the dark, a determined young woman survives by guarding her secrets. 
Lucy Manette was born in the dark half of the city, but careful manipulations won her a home in the light, celebrity status, and a rich, loving boyfriend. Now she just wants to keep her head down, but her boyfriend has a dark secret of his own, one involving an apparent stranger who is destitute and despised. Lucy alone knows the young man's the young men's deadly connection, and even as the knowledge leads her to make a grave mistake, she can trust no one with the truth. Blood and secrets alike spill out when the revolution erupts. With both halves of the city burning and mercy nowhere to be found, can Lucy save either boy or...